0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, good to be with you all. Hope that you're doing well. Welcome to New City South Park. My name is Nick Schreiber. I'm the care pastor here at New City. And let me also extend a a welcome to any of you that are visiting today. We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad you're joining us. And to all the rest of you, we're glad you're here uh, too. Uh, We'll be continuing our sermon series this morning through the book of Ephesians. Uh, We're actually in the home stretch. Uh, We're in the middle of chapter six. We're down in the last two messages. And so if you have a Bible, you can start making your way to chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 14 to 20 uh, here in just a little bit. But before we jump in, I did just want to take a moment and acknowledge and remember the reason for the holiday that we celebrate this weekend, Memorial Day. You know, at the core of Memorial Day is, is to remember. We remember those who, while serving in the military, have fallen those who sacrificed their lives for our country, for our freedoms, who ultimately gave their lives for you and for me. And, and, and we know that some of you in this room have had family members or friends who sacrificed their lives for our country. And please know that we, we don't take that for granted. And so this holiday does have a certain level of solemnity to it, doesn't it? It's a reminder of war and loss, but I hope it moves us to be grateful and to thank God for all those heroes who were willing to fight and to ultimately lay down their lives for, um, for us and to whom we are greatly indebted. And so I would like to take a moment here just, just now, just for us to, in honor of them, just to, just to pray um, um, and thank God for them. So if you would, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your incredible mercies God, so much sacrifice has happened that enables us to sit in this very place right now. So, may we not take that for granted. And so, Father, we thank you for all those who sacrificed their lives defending our nation. May we remember. May we even live likewise. And so, Father, we pray for their families. May you comfort them. Father, we pray for those who are currently serving. God, strengthen them and give them courage and watch over their lives and their families and And God, we thank you for Jesus who ultimately and likewise gave his life and laid his life down for us. And we thank you for the freedoms and the life that come from him. So, Father, speak to us this moment. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning again. You know, one of my greatest regrets is quitting high school football. I wanted to be a linebacker, Um, but my short-lived high school career would only last about two months. I didn't even make it through summer practices. Summer practices consisted of a lot of strength training, as well as a lot of concentrated positional training where, where the focus for linebackers, like I wanted to try to be, which is a defensive position, would, would, the focus would be all about how to stand or how to stay low or how to keep my feet and my hips in line. It would focus on how to be ready for blockers while at the same time try to watch and attack where the ball was. Summer practices were not fun. And I would often question and, and grow tired of all the mundane and tedious exercises um, about stance until I was asked to line up for that faded two versus one or two-on-one drill. Now, the two-on-one drill was this football drill where the, where the linebacker, that was me, uh, would have to go up against the running back who had the ball. But there was this offensive lineman, this blocker that was lined up between me and the running back and and how do you think things went? <laughs> not good, not good. And to make matters worse, the coach decided to circle up the whole team to watch. Like, all right, Schreiber, you're up. Um, and, I, and no joke, my first go at it, the whistle blows, and I start running towards the running back. And the lineman, man, he, he not only blocks me, but picks me up and slams me to the ground. And there's laughter, there's oohs and ahs everywhere. And and the coach calls me up to do it again. He's like, oh, you'll do better this time. (laughs) Well, the second time, the exact same thing happens. You ever have moments of pain or embarrassment where you start to tear up a little bit? (laughs) Where you have to fight back the tears? Well, that was one of those moments for me. Um, And now, I didn't quit football that day, but it but my football career didn't last very much longer after that. Um, I wish I would have gone out for trying to be a quarterback, but anyway. <laughs> uh, now going back, what were my coaches trying to prepare me for? During all those tedious exercises, what were they training me to, to do? They were training me to be able to stand my ground, to deflect the block, to stay strong in order to tackle the runner. And similarly today in our passage Paul's final word to the to the believers there is similar he encourages them to stand firm to stand their ground to hold their positions because we're in a battle but as we remember from last week although we are fighting a battle the war is already won we're fighting a battle but the war is won and if you remember the battle is not against your neighbor not against your spouse not against your coworker not against your children It's not against the world leaders or dictators. It's not even against those people in the world who do insanely wicked things. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but as Ephesians 6.12 says, it is against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. It's against the mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits, it's against Satan, it's against the power of sin. But Christ, in that decisive moment 2,000 years ago, through his death and the resurrection, he triumphed over sin. He triumphed over Satan. He won the war. The war has been won. But it's a little interesting, isn't it, though? It doesn't always appear or feel like it, does it? Especially as we sit in the aftermath of the horrific events that happened this week in Texas. Or as we watch from afar, the events that are happening all over the world or as we navigate the struggles and brokenness that are happening in our homes or even deeper, even in our own hearts. So how do we reconcile that? It's, and it's because the spiritual battle, battle and enemy are real even though the war is won. It's, it's because we're living between D-Day and V-Day, as Chris talked about last week. The war has been won, but until it comes to an end, anything Satan can do to try to derail the advancement of God's kingdom on earth, he'll do it. And our enemy is strategic, he's invisible, he's deceptive, and his objectives are, are to steal, kill, and destroy. And until the war comes to an end, there are very real battles, dangers, and casualties all around us. In fact, the implications of this war, this spiritual war, reach further and cause uh, even, even more casualties than any other conflict in history. And sadly, at times, we walk around unaware that it's even taking place. Although I'm not sure that that's the case this week. I think weeks like this keenly make us aware of this battle. But once again, the apostle's concern is for, the, is for Christian stability. John Stott, pastor, he wrote this amazing quote. He says, wobbly Christians who have no firm foothold in Christ are easy prey for the devil. Think about that phrase, wobbly Christians. You ever felt that way? Wobbly Christians in a sideways world. The world is sideways, the enemy is real, and Paul's charge to us is for us to stand. How do we stand on our two feet and this is what the message is about this morning. And so I'd love to read the passage to us Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 20. I'm actually going to have you stand. We'll stand. Um, and let's read, let's read it together. I'll read and you all follow along. It'll be on the screens even as well. This is the word of the Lord to us today Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. This is the word of the Lord to us today. Why don't you be seated? Thank you. Now, if you've grown up in church, this is most likely a familiar passage to you, so Lord, please help us here to fresh this morning. But in the passage, Paul tells us exactly how to prepare for the spiritual battle. And you probably noticed as we read that there are two major movements of the text, two ways that Paul lays out for us for how we are to stand firm. The first way is for us to put on the different pieces of the armor of God. And the second way is through prayer. And these two movements become uh, the outline for us. It's what we'll walk through briefly this morning. Paul now introduces us to the armor but but if you remember from verse 11 he mentions it there too and he says this in verse 11 he says now put on the full armor of God it's a complete set it's full armor to protect us fully and it's God's armor It's not something that we can create. It's not something that comes from us. It's built and based in who he is, in his nature, in his virtues. It's the armor that we see him wearing in Isaiah where he wears truth. He wears righteousness. He brings peace. It's it's who he is. And so he gives it to us though. And he says, this is what I'm giving to you. You don't have to go out and explore for it. No, in Christ, because of who is in us, you're given this armor. It's yours and we're called to put it on. It's how we stand. And so let's walk through the different pieces. And here's the first. He calls us to put on the belt of truth. The belt on a Roman foot soldier was the thing that would fasten the other pieces of clothing under the armor securely together. And it would do something else. And it would also serve to hold all the different parts of the uniform and equipment together. Which is fitting for truth, right? Because truth is that integrating anchor in, in, in the life of a Christian, it's the bedrock which, which, which holds even when the world and the devil rail against it. If we're not putting on truth, we won't know what's right from wrong. We won't know up from down. We'll start to believe things about God or about the world or even about ourselves that are lies or that are wrong. And this is crucial because as we've, we've talked about all series, we know that everything flows from what we believe. How we wi- live flows from it. So how I believe, how I think, it will affect everything. And our enemy is on a quest to annihilate truth. Scripture says in John 8, that Satan has always hated the truth. Lying is his native language, for he's the father of, law, father of lies. And so a large part of the battle is about truth versus lies. Well, how do you put on truth? Well, you remind yourself of what God has said. You strive to know God's truth. You strive to speak and stand on truth. But you know what's something interesting to think about? is that to put the armor on, I need need to take other things off or I need to lay other things down. I've got to take off the clothes that no longer belong to me or I need to take off the armament that I've put on to protect myself. That's not God's armor, but I've put it on and I need to realize that man, I got to take that stuff off. And so for me to put on the belt of truth, I need to take off lies that still hold sway over me or for me to put on the helmet, I need to take off the mask that's preempting, preempting that. And so forth. You know, I was helped this week with this concept by a friend and a Christian artist and teacher named Bryn Gillette. He shared with me a two piece art series that he painted all around our passage in this concept of taking off and putting on. It's incredible. And you'll see it on the screens. It's beautiful. And you see these two images, right? You see, the one, the darker one, intentionally meant to look like it's more like dirty, is this taking off. We need to take it off. And the other one is, is this image of putting on. And I love the, if you look at the one on the, on the left, there's, there's the red indicating, man, I need, to, I need to take off all those things that would represent sin, the different lies, the shame, I think the image of it rising has this idea of this supernatural help, though. We can't do it on our own. It has to come from God. If you look at it, the sash around his waist, it kind of looks like a snake to me. At least that's how I thought of it. Representing these lies that honestly, sometimes we still hold on to. At the bottom, you'll see the the filthy boots, the old helmet that we need to take off. That we maybe sometimes think that's our identity. Nope, we gotta take it off. There's even a a crowbar if you see it. There's a crowbar. And I I just thought that was because in order to pick up the sword, what do we need to do? We need to lay things down. And oftentimes in our lives, we try to fix ourselves. We try to pry our own way or we go, hey, this is how I fix it. And we, we go at it. We need to lay it down because it's not how we do it because those things are of the world. But if you look at the other image, I love it. I love how how it depicts one of our sisters in Christ. Oftentimes when you see images of the armor of God, it's often these strong, muscular men, you know? But I love how, how, how she's normal. How it reminds us that, that the, the armor is for all of us. She's not Wonder Woman, but she's special and she's strong because of what, is God, because of what God's given to her, because of how God's made her. And there's this community of help behind her, either angelic or real. We need God. We need both. We need God's help. We need community of believers to help help us keep adorning ourselves with this armor. It's so cool, right? And I think if there's anything to take away, is this idea of taking on and putting off, taking on and putting off, because that's the key here. And I'm so grateful for Bryn and his work. And, and if you have the New City app, it's on the sermon notes. You can see the images. And actually, as you go today, the, 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 the actual paintings are in the foyer if you want to stop and look at it more. But going back to truth and lies, what lies do I need to pull off or need God's help to pull off in order to put the belt of truth on? For me, it's lies like, like if anyone actually knew me, they would reject me. Or God can't use me. Or yeah, God, I get that you love me, but you don't really like me. And it's these lies that honestly, I sometimes still lay wrapped around my waist. And what about the breastplate of righteousness, that metal piece of armor that covers the body from your neck to the chest, where, where, where it, would, it, would, it, it symbolizes the righteousness of Christ, which was given to us when we first believed and now marks us and now secures us. And, and why is the breastplate so crucial? because the enemy likes to attack with shame and accusations and condemnation. You're not good enough. You're dirty, you sinned again, there's something wrong with you. And I wonder what accusations or shame we still carry and yet the breastplate speaks to it. And so when Satan throws the accusations our way, we're able to stand and say, you know what? It's not about me anyway. Christ has given me his righteousness. I wear his righteousness and now your accusations have no sway because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm gonna put on the shoes of peace that come from the gospel so that I can be fully prepared and ready, ready to share about Jesus, ready to go wherever he leads me. And so what do I need to lay down? I need to lay down seeing people the way the world sees people. I'm gonna proclaim the peace of Christ and not division. I'm gonna lay down building my own kingdom, knowing that when I worship the comforts of this world, my feet get stuck, And the worries that come with all those things I'm pursuing begin to crowd out the peace of Christ in my life. And I'm going to hold up the shield of faith so that when the arrows of temptation or doubt or fears come or even when persecution or when despair comes, I'll pick up the shield of faith and believe that God's promises are sure. He's my refuge and my help. He is with me. He has not abandoned me. He's at work. He'll give me strength to resist. And even if I fall or fail or mess up, He's still there. He still loves me. I'm still His child. And I'm going to put on the salvation as your helmet. Now, this is not a reference to you need to be saved, this is a reference to remember your salvation to remember your identity, to remember who you are. Helmets would identify soldiers. They would mark them. They would protect them. The enemy is wanting to attack your assurance. The enemy is wanting to attack your identity, to mess with your mind. He's wanting to walk around with masks on and coverings on, thinking that you're not good enough otherwise. We need to lay them down. Putting on a helmet is us preaching to ourselves once again that that we are a son and daughter of a king, that I'm no longer under wrath but under mercy. I'm no longer dead but I'm alive. I'm no longer in darkness but now I walk in light, and finally I take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword is the only offensive piece of the set. The sword has and the sword has its own power, namely it's the sword of the spirit. It's the spirit that makes the sword powerful and effective. As Hebrews 4 says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit. And the word of God needs to to pierce our own hearts. But we need to be armed with a sword in order to then walk into whatever the Lord or whatever the world might bring. Whatever temptations or lies might come. It's the word of the Lord that's powerful. A physical sword wounds to hurt and kill, while the sword of the spirit cuts spiritually and brings light, brings healing, and brings life. You remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan three times, Satan comes at him. And each time, what does Jesus do? He pierces through the temptation with scripture. The word of God strikes at temptations and lies And the proclaimed word of god moments like this moments when you preach to yourself the word of god moments when you're reading scripture at home what does it do in your life it it liberates you from the lies it liberates you from bondage it liberates us from darkness and what do you need to put down in order to take up the sword maybe it's the crowbar maybe it's my own ideas or truth maybe it's i need to put down the world's philosophies Maybe I need to quiet the myriad of other voices that I run to first before God's word. Maybe I need to lay down the countless distractions that are crowding out God's word in my life. Taking off and putting on. Laying down and picking up. This is the crux of what it means to put on the armor of God. You can do it momentarily. You can do it moment by moment. You can do it daily daily. It's just this moment where I'm going, Lord, I need to put this on. Lord, this is a lie. I need to push the, put this on. This is the idea that I want you to walk away with this morning as we think about the armor. Each of these pieces are ways of describing the spiritual realities that are now ours in Christ. And so to put on the armor of God is simply us clinging to, in faith to them. And you, sh- and you can be sure that the devil wants so badly for us to abandon them. Now I know our time is short, but I do want us to look at these last few verses that describe the second way that we stand our ground, which is through prayer. This is how Paul chooses to end this section, is he points us to, to pray. Verse 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This verse, this verse sets prayer as a crucial element in the spiritual battle. So you have the armor of God which is the spiritual apparel for our new life in Christ but then you have prayer which I believe is the tie that binds it all together. Prayer is the way we apply the armor as we've played out already. It's, it's where we remember and cling to truth and righteousness and peace and salvation and faith in God's word and we apply them into our hearts through prayer. Prayer is not just some passive inactivity as we so- sadly sometimes think but prayer is it's, it's our strategy for victory. Prayer is active dependence on God and trust in his power and activity in the world and especially among the things unseen. And we pray in the spirit because he's our help, he's our strength and prayer reorients us to the spiritual battle and gets, our earth, gets us out of our earthly mindset and into a spiritual lens for what's really happening. Prayer is the language and the calling of the believer, and it's to permeate the believer's life. As you see in verse 18, again, you see you pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion, praying for all believers everywhere. I mean, you can't minimize that. Now, in two weeks, uh, as we step into the summer, our entire ser- summer sermon series is gonna be as a church on prayer. So we're gonna spend seven weeks diving deeper into what is prayer, why do we pray, how do we pray? And so, and because it's vital to the Christian life, But did you notice that that verse 18 also also says, stay alert and be be persistent. Talk about a relevant phrase for for warfare. Prayer and alertness should be married to each other for when we pray, we we are to be watchful. We are to be alert to God's activity and to the needs that are around us. We are to be alert to the strategies and 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 to the temptations of the devil or to the evil one. You see often in Jesus' instructions to the disciples for them to stay alert, to stay awake, to to watch and to pray so that they don't fall into temptations. Hey, pray with me, stay awake. So as we pray, it keeps our spiritual lens on. It keeps us dependent on God. It keeps us watchful for opportunities and it helps us to stay ready to stand our ground. And, And Paul, as he sits in Rome as an ambassador of Christ in chains, he writes and he asks the believers there in Ephesus to pray for him. Which I love this. I love how real and vulnerable Paul is because oftentimes um, I, I imagine Paul exempt from fear or weakness. But he says, pray for me too. That God would give me clarity and give me courage that I would continue to speak boldly wherever God brings me. And I do think, I do think there's a layer here where Paul is imagining the thought of standing before the emperor and the potential of his, of his martyrdom. And he's going, pray for me. Pray that I would stand strong, that I would stand my ground. Pray that I, would, that, I would, that I would continue to rely on this armor that I've just preached about or I've just laid out. Pray that I would continue to see the spiritual in the midst of the physical. I want to see it, so pray for me. You know, the world consists of more what you and I can see. And a beautiful element of this whole passage is that it helps us give us these new eyes. I mean, think about it. How does knowing that our battle is not against flesh and blood affect the way we now live? It should drastically affect it. I was thinking of 2 Kings chapter six this week. You might be familiar with this story when Elisha was surrounded by the enemy. He was surrounded by the enemy and scripture says that there were horses, there were chariots all around him and his servant wanting to kill them. And Elisha's servant goes out early in the morning and he sees that they're surrounded. And he says, He says, Oh sir, what do we do now? What will we do? And you remember what Elisha tells him. He says, Don't be afraid. For there, there are more with us than are against us. And the scriptures say that Elisha that, and then the, the scripture says that Elisha prays, and he prayed to the Lord. He says, Oh Lord, open my servant's eyes so that he might see. So the Lord opens the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around them was filled with horses and chariots of fire. They were surrounded by angels and the hosts of heaven. If you you knew that you were surrounded by the angels and the hosts of heaven, how would that change the way you live? How would that change the way that you pray? Listen, we're fighting a spiritual battle. Not for victory, but from victory. God has already won the war in Christ. Everything we need in Christ to see his victory lived out in every battle has already been given to us. We are fighting a battle, but the war is won. But in the same way that we wouldn't get partially dressed before heading to work, God doesn't want us to be partially dressed spiritually either. And so he tells us how to prepare for the battle and how to stand our ground by putting on the armor of God and through prayer. And may we as a people not neglect this, so we may live, with, live for him wherever he takes us. Hey, let's pray together today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. Thank you for arming us, for equipping us. It comes from you, Father. So God, we ask that you would walk with us Help us be mindful, help us be aware, help us to see beyond what we can physically see. But God, we, we're so thankful for passages like this that bend our eyes to see what's greater. And in the midst of evil and wickedness and pain, thank you for holding us up. God, we want to, we want to walk with you and live for you. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. know many of you walked in here today facing battles, um, maybe with your eyes down, focused on the things that are troubling you. But I hope today that you've met the Lord, that your eyes have been lifted up, that you've been reminded that your help comes from Him, and that He is accessible to you in prayer. And we want you to know you're not alone, um, that we want to pray with you in your battles, in your life. Um, And so... Please let us know how we can do that. You can you can put that request a way that we can pray for you with you on that card, or you can come down. Some of us will be here uh, waiting after service and would love to talk to you and pray with you today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you as well. Um, so grateful for this morning. And remember, as you as you depart to the main foyer, the art pieces will be there by we Would you love for you to to look at those. But if you would, once you extend your hands for this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Come in peace, New City. Have a great day.